are now listening to Cult Cinema Catacombs. These films exist. It was like that. It was like a cross between Nell and Pootie Tang. I don't know. I, you know. I don't know who I was raised by. I don't know how many times I've described you to other people using those exact words. Nell, he's like a cross between <laughs> Nell and Pootie Tang. It's like a cross between That's the way Nell. I keep trying to sell this podcast to podcast networks. It's, it's like, really like a cross between Nell and Pootie Tang. Why don't Maximum Fun take us? I don't know. And by the way. We are we are really different because I started listening to Flophouse. Good show, right? No, it's no, very it's, different. It's but we are very. <laughs> first of all, we don't go out of our way to watch bad movies. I want to be clear oh. about that on this show because I was thinking about it. It's very easy to assume that we we do that, but we don't. We go no. out of our way to watch lost movies, and a lot of them are bad. That's just the way it is. And say a solid. <laughs> There's a reason that they're lost. There's a method to our madness, basically. Yes. They didn't lose Citizen Kane. Yes. They lost Bermudos. They forever. lost. They lost Dr. Caligari. Yeah. yeah. So they, some things were lost and some things were thrown away, and we're finding them either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the other way I try to sell. It's like uh, some things are. I always just say that when I'm, I'm uh, well first of all it's like a cross between Nell and Pootie Tang that's what yeah. our show is and then I just say some things were lost and some things were thrown away and then they make me leave yeah that's what I say summon something something that's also what our podcast is about yeah it really is it's all one big chaos magic ritual it's all a great intro this is great. If you're just starting to listen to the pod, here you this go. Is this is great. great way, yeah. This this is what you know you're going to get yourself into. Basically. It's the antipod is what we are. <laughs> and here at Cult Cinema Catacombs, we also talk about not usually on the on the show all the time, but behind the scenes, we're talking about cooking shows and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, constantly. Yeah. I'm so glad Next Level Chef talk about. I'm so glad Next Level Chef is back. Oh my god. Do we need a bonus podcast just for Next Level Chef? We we could just dedicate half of this podcast. It could go for six hours. And we could just three... Do another just three. Just talking it. about that show and worse cooks, how it just makes us scream at the TV at the incompetence and, and I how hope that Siri this season is the new reality TV icon. I hope that this season somebody falls down the food shoot. I, I hope this is the season that somebody falls down. They the food need shoot. to Finally. pick Sirius up and throw him down the food shoot. Oh my god! I'm so glad he's gone. Oh my god! I was like, ugh, like, ugh. But he anyway. would say yes. <laughs> He'd do it on his own. He would just oh, yeah. not Naruto run right off the side and down where they keep the that one fish that fell down two seasons ago. <laughs> Naruto run. I will never forget that fish. I think about I that will. fish. It lives in me. <laughs> I see it in my dreams. Debbie Gibson style. 
its eyes. It's just, I know this is an audio medium, but it's just like flat against the plexiglass wall, <laughs> staring out for like two episodes. God, it was great. It's a great show. Way to go, guys. I even like Richard Blaze now, and I hated him when the show started. <laughs> hated this is him. The first thing we've ever disagreed on. Well, I don't hate him anymore. I did hate him. Do you still hate him? No, I was. Then we are in agreement. Him from moment one, he he had me at banana scallop. He has that Haley Joel Osment face I don't like, where his <laughs> head, where like his face is the same size it was when he was like twelve years old, but then his head grew around it. That's true. Like that, and his hair bothers me a lot. And this is the sort of manic energy you get from cult cinema catacombs. Yes, films yes. exist. A maximum fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Let's just uh, here. That's a hey. I don't know if anybody's tried this strategy yet. Wow. We just force majeure, uh, yes and our way into maximum fun. We just we end up. It. They do Yeah. Or Who, whatever head gum. I don't care. <laughs> do we know anybody in there? Like, uh, can we make friends with somebody in there? Like, um, their marketing, like their physical marketing department, to start making us merch and just put it on the uh, put it on the merch store. Roy, you have a passing familiarity with Alonzo Duraldi. <laughs> <laughs> to start getting the merch on there. Uh, I, I mean, well, one of the things we'd have to definitely have is we'd have to have 2020, 2020 Roar as one of our shirts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, make, it makes you strong shirts. It makes, it makes it you makes strong, strong and phonetically spelled, God damn it, on one yep, of our shirts. Yeah, we got to have that. Um, and I guess now it's a cross between Nell and Pootie Tech. Oh, and also we have to have shit on your mother as one of our shirts. Yeah, I don't know if they put that on a shirt for us, but we do need to have it on there. <laughs> Listen, it deserves to be on there. I think we deserve this. Um, it can't be hard to make a merch store. I'm gonna figure it out. It's 2020 roar. Hear me. By the way, I just love that you got to 2020 roar before the McElroys did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I know. Great. I was really impressed. That's impressive. They knew they couldn't take it. <laughs> it was they, ours. They're listeners. Hey, Griff, what's up? I wish you didn't live uh, halfway across the country anymore, and all of you do now, and what? that sucks. What? <laughs> what was that? Is that a shirt that we're making? That's an yeah, that's a new shirt. shirt. No, that's just me talking to the McElroy brothers and wishing that one of them at least still lived in Texas. <laughs> oh well, they all live close to me, so how about this? That hurt my feelings. How about oh, that? Well. <laughs> Well, all except Griffin. I don't live close enough to uh, to DC to DC to, to to say that anymore. But you live quite close to Cincinnati. Oh, I'm no, I I am in. I'm basically in Cincinnati. <laughs> all has, right, what are we he doing? Has, he has two toes in Cincinnati. I have I have twelve toes total, and two of them are in Cincinnati. <laughs> what are we doing? Well, before we talk about uh, uh, our movies and stuff like that, <laughs> we still do that. Yeah, we still do okay. that. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we talk about food behind the scenes and everything, and I got to bring to attention here this recipe that came across my Facebook feed from Pillsbury. This is an official Pillsbury did they, recipe. Did they finally bring back that feed shoe recipe that was on the back of the box from 1976? No, that's not what no. this is. This recipe has only one star on it also. It is a recipe for lemon water. Nice. I like prep, it. Prep time, five minutes. Total time to make five minutes. Ingredients, six. 
lemon water. For lemon water. Here are the ingredients for Pillsbury Doughs <laughs> lemon water. It sure. is. It, it, this is for 16 servings of lemon water. First, you need. What's a serving of lemon water? First of all, hold on. Establish this. Is it a cup? <laughs> I think it's a cup. Yes. Okay. So, 16 our, cups of lemon water. I, I, our ingredients are water, sure. ice, yeah. lemon slices. Sure. You'd expect it. One and three fourths of a cup of sugar. That's oh, not lemon water anymore. That's lemonade. At that point, we're talking about lemonade now. Okay. One, one and a half teaspoons of lemon extract, and two what? and a half tea and two and a half teaspoons <laughs> of citric acid. And, oh shit! In a large pitcher, mix sugar, lemon extract, and citric acid. Add enough water to make one gallon. Stir well. Serve on ice garnished with lemon slices. Store rest in refrigerator. I felt my I, butt pucker into itself. <laughs> that is I, a lot of citrus-ish. I left my body. <laughs> I saw myself. And I was disappointed at what I saw. And then I floated back in. <laughs> That's probably the only way. Yeah. <laughs> It's really the only way to survive this. I just that's, that's bad and gross is yeah. what that is. So on that note, we're talking about unconventional musicals this month on Cults and Mechanicombs, which is probably the worst segue we've ever done. Hey, I want to before Speaking we get started. Things. I want I want to make sure that you guys know. So we have the 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 Rubensteins next next month. Ooh, right? Yeah. Okay. Makes me become Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm so hyped. You really did. Um, I want to make sure that we are ready for those with a challenge. Okay. So I want – here's what I need each of you to do. We all need to shrink ourselves down to the size of Zelda Rubenstein and start, like, overacting at everything? No. I mean, yes. That's But that's not pertinent that's, to what that's I'm talking about. That's just the entirety of the month of March, though. That's what we're doing. Yeah. I need each of you to go get a big bag of Skittles. That's all. Big bag of Skittles. A big bag of Skittles. Big bag, okay. Just have on hand a big bag of Skittles for the 2024 Rubenstein Challenge. Going to make us taste the rainbow, huh? I'm so excited for my first set of Rubensteins. And to get you in the mood, we had you watch Anguish. Oh, yeah. movie yeah, that inspired the Rubensteins. And hey, you were film. just as confused as we were when we watched it. That's right. It was a film. Uh, <laughs> it was a film it. within a film within a film. It was a turducken of a movie. Isn't there another film in there? Because it was a film <laughs> within a film. Well, at one point, and then there was another guy started film. showing up and being, uh, you know what? This isn't about anguish. This, I mean, <laughs> I have... everything is about anguish. <laughs> Everything's about anguish because everything makes you strong. If we wouldn't, have, it, 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 this show wouldn't exist in the in the form that you are on now if it wasn't for anguish. So <laughs> you can't do it without your mother. <laughs> Don't do the voice. Ah, oh, God damn it! It didn't even <laughs> dawn on me that she could do the voice, and and that's uncomfortable. Why? I don't. Gail's got loose. <laughs> She's close to the voice anyway. I never made that connection. I can't live with this. See what happens when you don't listen to your mother. It's so bad. 
so bad. I mean, Roy, Roy does a cross between Zelda Rubenstein and Minnie Pearl, so it's great. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's a good voice. Mine's okay, but now, that, now that I've gotten the the um, the uh, challenge out there, yes. that I'm going to introduce live on the air when we're all on camera. I can't wait. Yeah, it's, good. I, it's great. I thought I thought the Rubenstein challenge was shoehorn roar into every category <laughs> i mean that's just your personal that's on your vision board for this year it's not i don't know what happened to me since we saw roar because <laughs> i remember the the episode and while we recorded it i was very upset <laughs> and now it's all I can think about. Welcome to the show. That's what happens yeah. with every movie that, we do. That that happens with certain films. So well, yeah. you are officially now part of Cult Cinema Catholic Homes. It's a part of me. I'm we get hyper a trip for we, all of us to go to Shambhala, get, and that's not a joke. I am. No, like we get hyper fixated on certain films. We really do, and your roar is going to be yours. That you're going to be hyper yeah. fixated on for yeah. a while. It is. Mine's twice dead. It still is. But yours is yours is roar for sure. It's really not that expensive to go to Shambhala, you guys. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's very affordable. <laughs> Surprisingly affordable to go to California okay. and visit the, the uh, blood-faced tiger and lions. Can we meet okay, Melanie listen, the there and ask her to tiger. show the scars on her face? The Bloodface Tiger died in the 80s before the movie dropped, okay? And it's sad to me that you... Don't spoil the... Don't spoil... <laughs> you don't had spoil so the magic time for to me. read that damn book. <laughs> it is the weirdest thing on my physical media shelf. It is the is weirdest it? thing on my physical media shelf. is a bunch of horror movies in 4K and then Sh- the Shambhala book. No, what I it's love... Honestly is good. <laughs> what I read I love, it cover to cover. It's honestly good. What I love on the bookshelf here in the house, since since I live with the mother-in-law, is she's got five shelves of Nora Roberts books. Sure, you you would. And, and then there there's the book about Shambhala. Nice, good. Your mother-in-law would probably like it too because Tippy Hedren's of a time. Yeah. <laughs> She'll want what to are we doing? What, what are movie? About? Talk to me about a movie. Oh, are we doing a movie? I thought we were just chatting. Yes, yeah, yeah, we're doing minutes. three We haven't even month. said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cult Cinema Academy. Did we say that? We did. No, we, we, we just went, we just dove right in. Oh. We, we, were, we were like Mickey, Nicki Minaj on Twitter. We just dove right in and just, you yeah, know, this kept is going. Cat, this is the Cat Williams energy I want to bring to 2024. Just go, just go all in. All in, but not as far in as Cat Williams goes, to be clear. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'm feeling that. So what so, movie are we doing? Well, for this episode, we're going to be talking about your choice, Andy. Oh, we're going to be talking sweet. about Velvet Goldmine. Hell yes. Hell yes, so, dude. For those, for those, again, who don't know, we are doing unconventional musicals this month. And we've each picked a movie that is considered basically an unconventional style of a musical. And Andy decided to go with the gayest option of the three. Um, I love it. He, he, that's that's not the whole reason. I don't know. My pick is pretty gay, too. I mean, well, yeah, I know what Roy's is as well. I don't think you have a leg to stand on, Roy. They're all pretty gay. 
Yeah. They're all pretty gay. Yeah. Mine, it didn't matter. We'll do mine later. <laughs> they're all pretty. They're all pretty gay, but with with yours, farmer, its gayness can be seen from space. Um, That's true. Velvet That's true. Mine. Uh, for, for those who for those who don't know what Velvet Goldmine is, explain the film to our listeners. Sure. So it is. I honestly think that. Of the, so I always pull up IMDb, so I have actors' names. Um, and the first thing that people ask on Google is, "Is Velvet Goldmine a queer movie?" <laughs> it's you have the, to ask the queerest movie. It is the it is the definition of queer movie. So much in the same if vein. If the movie wasn't smellovision, it would smell like poppers. Right. <laughs> right. Um so it is a movie that centers around a specific point in time. It's it's loosely based on David Bowie, um with the with the inclusion of your Iggy Pops and your Lou Reeds. Like that post punk um like um, like glam rock, like proto glam rock post punk era, and the relationships between the three. And when I say relationships, let yourself let it wander, let yourself go for a while. You'll land on it. But what's really interesting to me is I think if this movie was released now, it would be pretty popular. Along with because we've had the Elton John biopic, we've had the Bohemian Rhapsody, we've had Whitney, we've had Aretha, we've had, what am I missing? There was a Bowie documentary. Uh, yeah, there was Moon Age Daydream, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking like the Elton John floats away from his piano while he's, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of... The magical realism bit. Yeah, and mm-hmm. this is definitely magical realism. It. I will also say this for this movie. The soundtrack fucking slaps like it is it is all if correct me if I'm wrong, Roy, because you'll know as well as I do. But it is all original music, is it not? It is all original music. Yeah. And it is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. You have heard songs on this soundtrack. Um, It's it's great. Uh, Venus and Furs is the isn't that the because it's been a long time. Is not that the name of the band that he's in? In oh, the, it's been a long time since I've seen this, and I own it. That's the thing, and it's been a long time since I've yeah. seen this. Um, I cannot remember. But anyway, that's what the, the film focuses on is is kind of that world, that relationship, um, loosely based on you know your Lou Reed's, your David Bowie's, and your Iggy Pop's. Um, the the film stars and the sound. Here's this is a lost film at this point. I actually have to rent it for Courtney. Roy and I both have tangential copies, but I actually have to rent it for Courtney because you can't buy it. It's mm-hmm. gone. It's not streaming. You can't buy it. The only way you can see well, that's it is because for- well, that's because it was a Miramax movie, and I think it's one of the films that the Weinstein's are still sitting on. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. Like how like how Dogma is. Dogma is one of those movies yeah. where it's now a lost film because they're still sitting on it and they're not going to give it to Lionsgate. So. Um. It stars as our as the as the titular character Kurt Wilde, uh, Ewan McGregor, and it's Ewan McGregor's growth from kind of like the if you watch the Elton John documentary, the early young Elton John, up through the point where he's wearing you know sleeveless fur vests 
and tight pants and uh, run on a train on Christian Bale, who plays Arthur Stewart in the movie. Um, I mean, I never thought I'd say I'd watch that, but yeah, you would watch watch that. that. We would all watch (laughs) that. It also has Jonathan Rhys Davies in it. Well, Which, where did he go? No, Jonathan Reese Myers, Myers. Not Jonathan Reese God Davies. damn it. I do it every That's time. I was watching Paris with there. Love. The genre. <laughs> the, who directed Paris with Love? Who directed The Professional? Why can't I think of the name? Oh, um. Anyone? Mueller? No. Anybody no. got anything? Not well, me. anyway. Yeah. He's Bart. in that movie, and I kept referring to him as Jonathan Reese Davies. Um, Jonathan Reese Myers. speak so often, I heard Myers. Yeah, I can't I can't remember his <laughs> name. Brain. What what happened to him by the way? Great question. Uh the Stonewall movie, I think. Did it? Is that did it? Yeah. I think it was the Stonewall. Movie. I think oh god no. No, not the Stonewall <laughs> movie. Not the Whitewash movie. No, 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 we no. We can no. rip it apart. <laughs> White people is what started Stonewall. Yeah, sure thing, um Mr. ID for sure. <laughs> Um, it also has uh, Eddie Izzard and, and Tony mm-hmm. Collette in it. Um, mm-hmm. It is a, it is a Ewan McGregor has this weird relationship with weird musicals, and I kind of love it because he did this. He did um, he did Rouge, but he also did. I don't know if you guys ever saw Life Less Ordinary, which is another movie that I would kind of like the show to do. Um, which in and of itself was a weird kind of musical movie about angels and. <laughs> Well, he also huh. did. He also did Down with Love, which was like yeah. the musical tribute to the Doris Day Rock Hudson movies too. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, he has a, a he has a really interesting relationship with musical movies. I don't know that he's ever done stage musicals, though. Do we know? I don't think so. No. I feel I like I would so. know about that. Yeah. Weird. Um, I don't know because I don't know if he would do stage musicals because I could just see right now all the press being like. Being like Obi Wan Kenobi on Broadway, yeah. So, well, like sure. We're really latching onto Obi Wan for this moment. Okay, he's had a storied career over decades, but sure, latch <laughs> onto the one franchise. Yeah. He's done. Oh, yeah. He's done a plethora of awful movies that you can point <laughs> to, and you're still gonna lean on Obi Wan. <laughs> and he's the best one in those movies, uh, Liam Neeson notwithstanding. Lee, Lee, Liam Neeson does a good job. <laughs> Well, it's probably a better selling point than saying that guy from Train Spotting on Broadway. I don't know. It would be more know. indicative, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Even though Train Spotting is a better movie than The Phantom Menace, still, it'd be like, you know, it would be. Oh, do we want to see him crawling out of a toilet? No. <laughs> eh, kind of. I, I do kind of want to see him crawling out of a toilet again. <laughs> We should do Requiem for a Dream and Train Spotting as a. As oh, Jesus! Let's just destroy oh ourselves. God. Do it for let's April Fool's. Destroy Holmes. ourselves, God. Let's just wreck our wreck our bodies. Let's just just totally destroy. Feel bad people. and see body horror. Nobody is saying the islands. You and McGregor. You remember that movie? Oh, you mean the ripoff of the MST3K episode parts, the Clonus horror? I <laughs> love the fact. That when he came out with that movie, The Island, a lot of people came forward and pointed out that it was a plot to an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Fantastic. I was like, that is awesome. I have started to make it a point now that 365 Days of Horror are over. I'm just watching a lot of like early to mid 2010 up to like 2000 to 2015, like giant movies that just 
disappeared, didn't go over well, like in time with Justin Timberlake. I forgot uh, about that thing. That's the thing where time is money. Literally. Time is money. Paycheck. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Paycheck with uh, Ben Affleck? No. No. <laughs> Paycheck, the one where he was like, the one where they, he was like one of those like types of like corporate espionage guys where they would like wipe his his brain after every like it's a bad like one of those. There was a whole like ninety nine through like two thousand and twenty fifteen were like just sci fi like like near future sci fi movies that were like the Minority Report style sci fi movies that just were awful. And I'm, I'm watching as many of them as I can. The 13th floor. Do we call uh-huh. it low uh-huh. sci-fi? It's like like low <clears throat> fantasy. It's low yeah, sci-fi. Yeah, low sci-fi. Low sci-fi. <laughs> good. It's, it's like good. just a dab. Yeah, just enough. Uh, virtuosity with uh, yeah. Russell Crowe and Denzel. Not at all. So, no. So, so we're gonna. So basically, we're gonna scrap next month, and instead, we're going to do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Existence. We're doing 12 episodes next month <laughs> of low so sci-fi doing, movies. Yeah, we're doing Existence. Existence from David Cronenberg, and then we're going to do Wait. Free Jack, starring he, Emilio Estevez and Nick Jacker. Wait, wait, wait! We're falling apart today. Wasn't you and McGregor in Existence? No, that was Jude Law. Okay, I, I get those two convinced constantly. Very different. Very, <laughs> Are very they? No, but, but hey, it has well, it has Willem Dafoe. So there you go. Sold. Uh, Existence is a fucked up movie, and it's mm-hmm. now released. Uh, who released it? Uh, Umbrella. Vin- Vin- Vinegar, Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah, I need to buy that because it's great. Cronenberg, you son of a bitch. In the future, we're gonna have video games that look like babies with umbilical cords that plug into your back. You're gonna build guns out of teeth. <laughs> That's just one to fall on a Thursday. That I mean, happens in this movie. That's what you can do with your teeth. Yeah, you build guns out of your teeth. But anyway. I, got, I mean, I got uh, you those teeth. And Velvet anyway, Goldmine. Velvet Goldmine. <laughs> we're going to watch it. And we're going to love it. Velvet Goldmine. And gold you're going to sing Babies sorry. on Fire for the next 12 months of your life. Because <laughs> holy shit, it's a great song. This whole soundtrack is... It, I love this movie. Like, when I, was, when I was watching Bohemian Rhapsody in the theater, I was like... I could have I could be watching Velvet Goldmine right now. <laughs> I can't wait for it. Starring I'm, I love I'm, you, Philip Morris's <laughs> <laughs> Starring three billboards. I'm starring Shallow Graves, Ewan McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Honestly, starring one of my favorite things that I've seen in the last two decades of film is a Ewan McGregor scene for my love you, Philip Morris. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, <laughs> I love you. It, Philip Morris is a great movie. Though. Uh, did you, do y'all remember that movie very well? Cause I remember it weirdly well for how few times I've seen it. Uh, but at one point he's in a kitchen and he's like opening up a dove chocolate and he's eating it and he's reading the little message on the inside. And it's like, you know, Love is a thoughtful word or whatever. And he's like, hmm. And he puts it up on the refrigerator. And then he gets another one. And it's like, whatever, stupid little platitude. And he's like, oh, that one's cute, too. And he puts that one up on the refrigerator. And he opens the third one. And it says something like, just like, Nestle's Dove Chocolate. And he's like, hmm. And he like crumples oh. it up and throws it away. And he stops eating the chocolate and just like starts cleaning. <laughs> pissed. I forgot that the soundtrack does feature the... uh 
the cover of 20th Century Boy by Placebo, which is when I was introduced to Placebo, which was a turning point in my life for a lot of reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so let's watch this movie. We've done enough talking not about this movie to not watch this movie we already know the movie's going to be so good. We're like, what else can we talk about this movie? I know, like, when do we movie? talk about the movie's good? Yeah, we know this one's not going to suck. It's not It's yeah. not going to It's not going to be in now the screaming starts all over again. So The audience, not all the movies are bad. Sometimes <laughs> we was? get Lilith Fair. Yeah. What if it was, um, and, and the screaming starts again? What if we start this movie and they replaced God. all copies of it? <laughs> And now I, the screaming starts, the musical starring Ewan McGregor. Honestly, it would our, be an improvement. Our version of uh, a horror movie like like Dark City would be every movie is replaced with a copy of like Permudos, and every movie we go to watch <laughs> or see is just Permudos. We're lost in the invasion of the body snatchers so, kind of scenario. I hate to open this can of worms, God but damn. here's the thing. Like, Permudos at least... There's something to look at, you know what I mean? There's something to laugh at and enjoy. But then your teeth into it. Yes, and you can just be like, wow, this is bizarre. But then there are things like, and the screaming starts. (laughs) Which you don't have anything visual until you see the guy smacking a corpse on the side of a tomb. Yeah, that's true. And it's not like funny bad for the most part. You're just like, oh, well, well it's right. boring. It's boring bad. Yeah. Uh, unlike Velvet Goldmine, this is not Which is boring. not. So let's, Again. let's watch that. So let's you dive in. Going back it. down bad other movies. <laughs> There's nothing bad to talk about here. I already know. No. I've seen it and I already know. Like, it's great. It's you're you're going to be. It's going to ch- it will change your perspective on things. I, I, I am. I feel confident in saying that. Like, you're going to be like, well, something in me changed after watching this film. I'm going to be really interested to learn about that, because uh, as a person who was raised properly by her parents, I've been a lifelong fan of the three gentlemen that this movie is loosely based on. So uh, I'm excited about it. Good. All right. Okay. Let's dive into it. then. Watch it. Let's do it. Diving. We'll we'll be right back after we dive into the Velvet Gold Mine. The Velvet Gold Mine. (laughs) Hey in the wind. (laughs) Don't do Nell. Do not do Nell as done by Rubenstein. It doesn't really matter much what a man does with his life. What matters is the legend that grows up around him. Brian Slade was the wildest rock star to come out of London. The biggest thing since sliced Beatles. But that wasn't enough. We set out to change the world. What happened? Who did it? And why? Next week is the anniversary of the whole shooting incident. One journalist is about to look into the mystery. I was trying to contact you about a story. From the moment Brian Slade stepped into our lives, nothing would ever be the same. He was, in the end, like nothing he appeared. Right after everything crashed, Brian seemed to get lost in the lie. Came someone else. Miramax Films invites you to throw away your expectations and take a magical trip back to the 70s. When the glam scene rocked London. 
and the outrageous fashions, music, and behavior shocked the world. I knew I should create a sensation. Hi there, fun seekers. Are you looking for cinema that is absolutely 100% independently made, but also extremely unique and outside of the box? Well, look no further than Troma Pictures and the Troma Now streaming service. Watch.troma.com is your home for everything from Lloyd Kaufman and his band of very fun individuals. Everything from the Toxic Avenger and beyond at your fingertips. Only $4.99 a month, but your first 30 days are free. Did I say free? Yes, they're free. So what are you waiting for? Go to watch.troma.com and sign up. Also available on your Apple and Android devices, on the Roku stick, and also on the Fire Stick. Let's get freaky. I want to learn. Yeah. Was, well, back in our day. <laughs> we so were an onion on our belt because so it was in the, in the time. <laughs> in the 90s, there was a chain of stores in the malls called Natural Wonders. And this is where you could go, like, buy rain sticks and crystals and and karma shit. And, you know, that's where I bought my copy of Pure Moods on CD and stuff like that. But a lot of the, the, a lot of the clientele that shopped in this store... Um, and like I told Andy, it's very much like what if Berkeley, California in the sixties and the seventies became a store and commercialized, you've got natural wonders, Yeah. but the clientele that would shop in there is this, there was this book that originally came out about the study of idiosyncology. It was done as a comedy book, but at the same time, it describes personalities perfectly. Oh, it's like the origin of Chuck Klosterman. Kinda. Uh, there was a, 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 but basically is based off of quirky personality types. They gave these personalities a name, and one of them was called Chera Honkies. Huh. And Chera Honkies were white people who adopted Native American aspects to their okay. life. Okay. And by is that, that I'm a 32nd Cherokee people. Exactly. Yeah. And these are the people that this would wear. This is just in the entirety of where I grew up. <laughs> yeah. They would Me wear too. the Native American T-shirts and the flat and the feather earrings mm-hmm. and sure. the and the turquoise and we're like, yes, I, I I I associate with the Native American spirit. And basically, we're then they dan- just meant that they smoke the cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> basically, they saw Dancing with Wolves and said, "That's me." Is I could do was. that. I gotta find this book because this book, I, it's somewhere in my mess. I'd love to do a book club. I tried to do a book club with the Cats of Shambhala, and I'm the only one who read is, the goddamn thing. This book is no longer in print, but it was called Chera Honkies, uh, Food Court Druids, and Other Members of the It Is Synchrology. That and sounds just lovely. Great yeah. definitions of people, but I never forgot Chera Honkies because it was like, yeah, those are the ones who shopped at that store. In the yeah. malls. I love yeah, I, it. And I was saying, I, I off off mic. I, I when I was young, 
and I worked in the mall. I dated somebody that worked at Natural Wonders. It was great. Ah, oh, cool. I got to play with all the I didn't date anybody rain when I worked at the mall. I worked at Hot Topic. <laughs> well, this was at this was before I was managing Hot Topic. Same mall, but I was working at Spencer's Gifts. Oh, okay. You yeah. were peddling hilarious shirts and vaguely sexual birthday cards. I yeah. was, yes, and a lot of lava lamps. Yeah, lava lamps for and sure. dildos and. Speaking of dildos, you guys want to hear about Madam Web? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Wow, what that, a segue! I, I wow. am a professional podcaster, y'all. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's how I do it. So, I don't know so, how you so, do it. So, I, I, is it because is it because Dakota Johnson's in it? That's why it's like from dildos so too. <laughs> I got stuff to say. All right, we can start there if you want. I would I, love I have, to start there. I think that's perfect. I have good. I I will let you know that there was a friend of mine um, by the uh, who works at Alamo Drafthouse who did a five hour video rant about everything wrong about this movie. Five did, did, hours. Did There's they talk no about longer than the movie. <laughs> but did they talk about everything that was right about it? Because it wasn't. It was it. It wasn't all bad. No, they didn't talk about everything that was right about it. He was talking about everything was wrong and kept quoting that line that that's, you know, in the um, that, that's basically become a meme about working in the Amazon with her father with spiders. Yeah, there was. a So there was a lot of exposition in this movie. Um, I will I will I will start with some of the things that are wrong, because that's what's popular to talk about. I will start with Dakota Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like bad I, casting. Well, I don't think it was, but I do think that I have never in my entire life seen someone in a big budget movie who absolutely did not want to be acting in that movie more than Dakota Johnson did not want to be acting in this movie. You know what? She comes off that way in the press tour also. Oh, she does. She hates this movie. Oh. My computer suddenly did a freak out. I'm sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. We I thought we were going to get a Vincent Price voice rap in the middle of this. Um, <laughs> it, it heard Dakota Johnson had nothing to do with this, and the, my computer was like, well, I have something to say about that. <laughs> no, I've never seen anybody who is more removed from any, I think, so I think the movie would have much better served from somebody who wanted to be in it. Because a lot, I the the role is someone who is, uh, let's say Aubrey Plaza like would be what I would say that the role is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be somebody who's dead inside, which is what Dakota Johnson delivered her well, life yeah, as. I mean, when, when you when you have starred in the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, you know you're going to be dead inside for the rest of your life. You know so. So that was my main bitch about the movie. That and the fact that um, every 30 seconds you knew that Pepsi sponsored this film. I swear to you. Well, they got to do something. Their sales are down, right? (laughs) I've seen – I've never seen product placement like I saw in this movie. (laughs) I've never – You have no idea the remarkable restraint that I have shown in this time to not connect this movie directly to roar because i could oh i know no you could it would take no dakota johnson to melody griffith it's one it's one i believe i made that i made that in the theater i made that connection in the theater 
You um, would be dead-eyed, too, if you knew how many times your mom almost that's died. Right. That's right. If you went through the family photos. And you <laughs> were like, you... why would you do this? Um, and they said, because it's beautiful. The the exposition was tough. I will say that. Okay. In fairness, but the, the, but the movie absolutely, more than anything, it suffered from Dakota Johnson. That's what it suffered from. Because that's it's just, that, that's telling. That, that's uh, it. So are, are, are we basically saying that Dakota Johnson should never be acting ever again? Or, well, I don't know that that's true. I just, she, she doesn't have enough big cats is the thing. Yeah. Well, she just doesn't really go to Shabala more often. Yes. So that was that was my main gripe about the movie was her, the her and the the villain. Neither of them were good actors. Also, the movie is based in two thousand and three, and they never let you forget it, ever. Like why is it? The what, music, what purpose does that serve? So I think I know. This movie. Sh- okay, so. Just like, Madame how does Webb, the year serve the story? I don't feel like... I'll, I'm going to explain. I can't so, wait. So, <laughs> Madam Web, in the comics, and I know all three of us are comic book fans, but yes. I don't know if our fans are, is not a character that I would... I would have... Mor- Mor- Morbius, the living vampire, I yeah. guess. Venom, for I guess. Sure. Venom, right? 100%. Trying to get Carnage in there makes perfect sense. Craven, yeah. Sure. Sure. Madam Web, not the most not dynamic really. character. Right, like Spider Woman above Madam Web. So why would you anyway. include? Why would you start with Madam Web? Why would you start it in two thousand three? Because why not? Well, no, there is a reason, and it answers is it one of the because questions. Because of when the original Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies came out? No, it's not okay. actually. So it answers one of Roy's questions too, or what one of Roy's statements, which was, I guess Ben Parker's alive. <laughs> that is pretty weird. The, the answer to that is this movie. This whole thing is a setup to Spider-Man entering this universe in some way, shape, or form. They Do really you, still think that's going to happen? Which is not going to happen. Well, but let me let – fine. But according to the movie that I watched, it is. <laughs> do you – do you want this to be spoiler free or do you want spoilers? Do you oh, care? spoil the fuck out of it. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. it's going to be a while before I get to see it. I got a five year old. I don't get to go to the movies that okay, often. So for our audience, if you care, I am about to spoil Madam Web. You're going to want to jump ahead. Yet. What, like five minutes? Well, well, right. I, I think, um, I think we'll we'll say doing, we'll say, doing, hey, we're done spoiling now. Hey, we're done spoiling now. Yeah, you'll probably do an exorcist believer with this. So well, yeah. I'm not going to go that far in. But Courtney will play 30 seconds of the of uh, whose land is this in between <laughs> my review and the, the Velvet Goldmine. So anyway, the movie opens on um, Cassandra Webb's mom in the Amazon doing research on a particular type of spider that has the the the, the you know the science to cure some diseases we find out later why um because that's what killed her like dad and she wants to solve the solve cancer so she's this is her calling okay so, it's ultimate spider-man again well so yes so they find the spider her guide who ends up being the bad guy in the movie shoots her steals the spider because he because the spider is purported to give people superpowers, basically. Like hmm. 
you know. So basically, the the spider that is in the uh, the first Spider-Man movie and the spider. There's a breed of these now that exists in the woods. So the difference is, well, keep in mind, this is completely removed from any of the films that came before it or comics. The difference is the spider is natural instead of science. Okay. Right. So the spider exists. It's a it's a it's a lost civilization. There aren't a lot of spiders that she's had to track it down her whole life. Indiana Jones style, you know, Anaconda style. Right. John Boyd is out there somewhere on the other side. She's John Voight doing a really racist accent. Yep, yep. So finds the spider. Now there's also at the same time we're hearing that there is a there is this legend of this lost tribe that has these powers like, you know, they can they can run up and down trees and they're really strong and all this stuff, right? They're in this woods and they're trying to, you know, that's part of the lore of this spider. So guy shoots mom, steals spider. Spider tribe comes down, takes her into her, into their spider coven, Spider-Man. Oh, they Jane coven. her? Yeah, they Jane her. Well, for a second, because they try to heal her by letting the spider bite her because it has, you know. Okay. Super you also, Ooh, great alliteration there, spider biter. Spider biter. Like and, then, has, and then she it dies. It has the power to have more superpowers. She's also super pregnant with Madam oh, Web. Okay. So. Okay. Madam Web gets in utero spider powers of some sort. It, okay. And then I, the spider people put her on, like, basically Moses her down the river. Like, you're going to put you in a basket and say, basically, Bye. I don't know how she gets back to civilization because at that point they say, well, she'll come back when she needs answers cry- cryptically. And that's sure. all exposition, right? All of that. We open on her. I bet you don't get and, to really enjoy any of that. We, we open on her and Adam Scott. Adam Scott, right? I'm not. Oh, man, is that really an Adam Scott movie? Yeah. I like Adam Scott. Well, Adam Scott does a great job. Adam He's Scott the does best his thing Adam in a Scott lot of bad best. stuff. Yeah, Adam Scott does his dead level best to Adam Scott this movie over the goal line. That's and he does a pretty good job because there are good things about this movie. Number one is him as Ben That's Parker. Fair. Number He's two. Ben, okay. Yeah, huh. he's Ben Parker. She's his partner. They're EMTs. Okay. That's really apropos of not very much besides <laughs> at one point she teaches the girls in her in her spider coven how to do CPR. Um, <laughs> That's all she got out of being an EMT. Wow. Yeah. So so as as the story progresses, she realizes she has the power to see the future. That's her superpower. OK, not again, like every spider bad choice for a really dynamic superhero movie. But so at the same time that's happening, she's seeing these three girls, this spider guy in this spider guy costume, which, by the way, the spider guy costume that you've all seen in the in the previews mimics the look of the spider tribe of the Amazon. So he so got they're his all look Spider-Man from the spider. three. So I was about to say they all look like Venom Spider-Man. Yeah. So. So. This guy has Spider-Man powers, the bad guy. He got him from the spider he stole. Um, he is having these these visions of the future, just like kind of Madam Web is, but not as you know in depth. Of these three spider women, and they're going to kill him basically. So he is going to preemptive strike these spider women when they're young. Madam Web figures this out and goes and kind of like through 
a lot of different machinations saves these three girls. And I will tell you this between between um, Ben Parker and the three spider girls, the three spider girls are fucking fantastic. They do a great job. Like it's very mean girls, but with, but with these girls, you don't get the spider girls in the movie. You get these teenagers that don't have powers that she's trying to protect. All of this entire movie is a setup because the actual plot of the movie is Mary Parker is pregnant with Peter Parker. That's also in 2003. So in 2003, Mary Parker is pregnant with Peter Parker and the spider guy is trying to, is trying to kill these girls. The girls are staying with Ben Parker. Mary goes into labor and they have to get her to the hospital. So, the actual plot of this movie is not the plot of Madam Web. It is a setup for how we get to see Peter Parker be born into this world, which we do. Not like we get to see it. It's it's not like uh, extra, but we do <laughs> we do see you know the birth of Spider Man in this movie. Um, who was playing Mary Parker? It's another. They're setting up some pretty big names because you know Ben Parker's not anywhere uncle ben so we got adam scott right mm-hmm. um and that's cool um and then mary is played by we don't know who's playing his dad because his dad's off doing shield shit um emma roberts is playing his mom oh so hey and the, and that's that's the movie the the girls are great um ben is great the story is unwieldy and dumb but I don't know how you're going to take the idea of Madam Web and make it into something better than it was because it's not supposed to be. This is a not even a not even a secondary character. It's a not tertiary really, character. Yeah. It is a plot. It is a plot device that you've made into a movie. But uh, uh, what's her face is also in White Lotus. Is in this, isn't she? White Lotus. Uh, what's her name? Sydney Sweeney. Yeah. Yeah, she plays and I like one of the her. Girls. She's great. She is fantastic seems, in this movie. It seems like I don't so, know. Maybe you know this better than me. It feels a little bit like they got great people who have a passion of comic books, or maybe some of them don't. Looking at you, Dakota. Uh, <laughs> but they just sort of beat them down with a terrible script. They yes, they beat them wow. down with a terrible script. It was all a setup for Spider-Man. If they're ever going to bring him in or not, whatever, we now have a Peter Parker in this universe, officially. And it was 20 years ago, so now it's 20, you know, that was that was a movie that was based in the past. So now in the caught-up time of Venom and Morbius and Kraven, I'm guessing, you now have a 20-year-old Spider-Kid. Yeah, they're trying uh, to be like, yeah, just like how Tom Holland, eh, right? Huh? Mm. <laughs> so, so I don't, so I honestly, it's, it, it shouldn't have been the movie, right? I, okay. there are good things about it. Again, there are some, oh, who played the, there was another guy who played like the fire or the, the fire chief that's, that's really good. Like they had really good actors delivering, but they were delivering against Dakota Johnson, who, might have been fresh out of surgery. Oh shit! I, I'm I looking at it. it. Mike Epps is in here. Yeah. 
yeah, it's a great, people are delivering really good performances. And then there's Dakota Johnson and this other guy playing the villain. The, the thing that I laughed the most about was it was so Mammoth's kid, isn't it? It was so 2003 that the bad guy, because he had a, a, a computer hacker, sort of like what we saw uh, Roy do this this afternoon, that <laughs> um, was tracking them through through CCTV cameras. Huh. He was getting his communication through a Bluetooth earpiece that was so big, like it it was one of those that we used to wear that would like come off of your ear and then come all the way down to your mouth. And I was like, wow. yeah, play play Britney Spears Toxic one more time. <laughs> yes. They do it like three times in the movie. So don't go see it. <laughs> so don't watch it. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, don't. It had some redeeming qualities. I will say that. But just So when wait, it eventually you... comes to streaming, I should yeah, just click it on. It, but... Just watch it on streaming. I will say it was better than Morbius. It wasn't I mean, as good tripped as right the over that bar of excellence, didn't it? <laughs> I enjoyed Morbius. All right. The CG was a lot better than Morbius. I will say that. It would have to be. So that's all I got to say about that. I'm done okay. talking about that. So not as not as ranty as uh... <laughs> so, so, so so not as ranty as when I saw Exorcist uh, Believer. No, no. Because I didn't, I didn't hate this movie. Yeah. Like, and not nearly as aggressive as when I was mad at the movie. holistic concept of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> also, not as I'm not as into this movie as I was about Russell Crowe Mortal Kombat Exorcist either. So. <laughs> Forgot about that thing. <laughs> still a great movie, unsung hero of last year, The Pope's Exorcist. <laughs> But anyway, so let's talk about Velvet Goldmine. The first thing I want to know is, Courtney, how did you feel about it? What were your vibes? So uh, overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's not perfect. It does have some kind of indecisiveness of concepty things. But overall, I really had a nice time. I really didn't take that many notes. You didn't? Uh, because I just sort of sat back and enjoyed it. I just kind of yeah. let it wash over me. Uh, that's kind of the overall theme of me this month is I didn't take that many notes. Wow, we're she getting, we're too, changing too you. She was too busy enjoying the scene where um, Obi Wan Kenobi was uh, f- fucking Batman, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we well, do have also, a lot of Batman adjacent uh, content in this movie. <laughs> I also like the fact that she said about a Todd Hayes film. There was some inconsistencies. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Really? Was the inconsistency the fact that it opens on Oscar Wilde and a magic uh, brooch from space? For no reason at all. Oscar Wilde was visited by the the gay space alien and said, you're going to be gifted. I loved it. Is there a general, is the implication that there is a generational, there's like a, a chosen generational and it's a straight line from Ingenue. Oscar Wilde. Yes. <laughs> what? Now I want the movie between Oscar Wilde and and uh, not David Bowie. That's what I want. What happened in between there? <laughs> I want to know what made him so comfortable with having him be Oscar Wilde. But then he had know. to make amalgams of everyone. 
Yeah, I wanted. I wanted. Well, keep what... in mind. Keep in mind, this is from the same man who, yeah. like, said, "You know what would be a great idea is to have a woman play Bob Dylan at one point in his life." He did do that, and then well, give her an Oscar for doing that. <laughs> well, and my my uh my favorite part of the movie is when the ego of of Todd rises to the forefront, and he has to have him playing with two Barbies kissing. Because, that was pretty weird. I'm going to be well, honest with you. I not. did not understand. Well, let us explain to you why that. that's in the movie. Roy, would you care to go forward with that? Yes, because um, the director of this movie, as I think Andy even mentioned this earlier in uh-huh. the first part, uh, directed a very controversial uh, short film from 1987 called Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story. Okay. Um, and the reason this is very controversial was not only because of the fact that uh, he used the Carpenter's music without permission, but the whole entire story of Karen Carpenter is depicted by using Barbie dolls. And Mattel huh. had a hissy fit about the this. whole movie is Barbie dolls. It's, it's a all whole nothing movie. The whole watched movie we watched Barbie it. dolls. Yeah. Yeah. The whole is barbie dolls we even see at one point from barbie's point of view her taking pills to force her to vomit and all sorts of stuff it's just it's and the thing is is it's it's not done campy it's actually an emotional gut punch because not only just seeing the hell that karen carpenter went through but then they also talk in the movie with real people who suffer from anorexia and bulimia and you hear about the hell that their lives are. And I was just, it was a sucker punch. I was just like, good God, I wasn't ready for this. Uh, but I, I, I saw when he had the scene with the Barbie dolls having yeah. sex in this movie as his way of saying, fuck you to Mattel for not yeah. allowing such a great short film to be seen by a broader well, audience. I, I, there was, well, there's that, but there's also the, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna not watch my Barbie doll movie. You're gonna shut my shit down. Okay. Well, here's a, here's a movie that's being produced by Miramax and MGM. I'm gonna have one scene. I'm gonna make you you're wonder still why gonna see I did my this. dumb Barbies. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna make you wonder why I did this. <laughs> I did wonder. I'm going to be honest with you. I did wonder. Um, so basically, now, it's like here is Ken and Alan fucking for you guys, except done up like, like glitter rock. Mark Bolin and yeah. Uh, um, oh my god. I did notice something, and I don't know if y'all have the awareness of this film as I do. Uh, they definitely used the same set early on in the movie. That was used for a Muppet Christmas Carol. And I'm not <laughs> joking. <laughs> I am 100% sure that that's true. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> and I really want to look into it and see if it is legitimately true. Because they're showing the exteriors of these houses. And out of nowhere, I just started going, there goes Mr. Skinflit. like it just grew out of me uh and so i know that that's true um but again it's it's really fun it's mod concept comedy of errors it's what if john waters made a drama (laughs) uh there's there's a lot of really fun stuff in there 
Uh, I love how they did like the um, the variant. I, I guess we could call this like this 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 world's variant version of the music video for Life on Mars. Uh huh. Um, because it's it's it, it, I mean I'm trying to figure out how the fact that he how the hell he did all that in front of a live audience, but <laughs> I, forgot about, I forgot about that part. It's like when he's being introduced and before uh, you know he gets hired on the record label, and all the censors are sitting there watching this, and I'm like, wait, so he just did this whole thing in front of a live audience? <laughs> the the thing that dawned on me because I've watched this movie a lot of times. More than a few times as broadcast on the wall at 1470 West, but I've watched it a lot of times. And watching it again, I was sitting there watching it thinking, this is just Interview with a Vampire, but David Bowie. Kind of, yeah. Um, I also thought it was, um, what if Aline was good? (laughs) (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I do... I. The most impressive thing about this movie, first of all, I love glam rock, so it's like, you know, it's right in my wheelhouse. But True. the music. The, the, the music Todd, is cool. Oh, I like, did not know that you and McGregor hangs brain in this movie. That was fun. I enjoyed I think that. We warned you. I think we uh, warned did you. Did you in the first part and I just totally forgot? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, like, you'll I mean, look I at liked this, it. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Ewan McGregor wants to be something that he was never able to fully realize, probably because of Obi-Wan Kenobi. But, um, like, he wants to be a musician. He wants to be art house. And I think that Obi-Wan Kenobi fully took that away from him. He's the poor man. He's just so major studio. Everything about him, his face, his voice. But again, he sings his songs. In he does great. Yeah, he does a he great, great job. job. Uh, speaking but, of a great job, um, Tom York yep. has mm-hmm. a real solid Bowie impression, and I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Well, this, the the band, the the Venus and First band, which I know Courtney has some stuff to talk about. I do. That. I do. But, um, but the band is made in, up. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. The, the, the people that he pulled together to be in that band are Tom York. He he pulled he pulled in Tom York. He pulled in um like uh and Johnny Greenwood from from Radiohead. He pulled in Andy McKay from Roxy Music. He got suede in there. He got, he got so many insane people to play as the house bands for these guys. It was it's, pretty impressive. It's wild. The music in this movie is better than a lot of the music that came out then. Like the Ballad of Maxwell Demon is a song that I unironically fucking love it's pretty cool like it is so good and uh there the this this version of um well babies on fire and ballad of maxwell demon are the two that i'm like those are those are actually just in rotation and they're original songs from this thing <laughs> like that's crazy to me okay go I, ahead. Uh, I like tumbling your- down too um now two things before i get into the weeds here a little bit I will say that she did not tell me why, but my cat hated this movie. Uh, um, she did your not. Cat, um, she your cat's homophobic. Yeah, I was going to say. I guess so. She hates. <laughs> so I, I will say that it seems like 1970s UK invented the concept of being NB, and she did not like that, um, <laughs> I guess. But like 
I sent you some photographs in the group chat yesterday of her attacking my notes while I was trying to do a little bit of research on this. There are bite marks on my notebook. She just wanted you to to be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was true as well until we started talking about it. And she is in the room with me and she jumped on the desk and started trying to bite my headphones, the USB port out of the computer. She She really hated this movie. And I don't know why. Buy erasure. Rita, why did you hate this movie? Talk to me. Maybe, 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 maybe she is, you know, homophobic, or maybe I she, think my cat's a homophobic. Or maybe she just didn't like you and McGregor basically playing a variation of Iggy Pop. I mean, maybe I, oh, I yeah, think she I didn't could, like that. Maybe some, some combination of yeah, but it was a combination of Iggy Pop and Lou Reed, Lou Reed, yes, and Lou and Reed, a little bit of maybe Mark Bolin. Even though I will say this is the movie that 100% made me fall in love with Placebo. Fair. And I remembered why when I watched this movie again. Like, shit, I should really start listening to Placebo more than I am now. Because they they brought the entire band of Placebo in. They made them into T-Rex. And they gave Placebo, who are not actors, speaking parts in this film. Yep. And they actually did okay. Honestly. Yeah. Like, it wasn't perfect, but it was okay. Considering for a, for they're band? not actors. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so I, I got to looking into... Why did they pick Maxwell Demon and the Venus in first? Like, how does that connect to the story? How does that connect to who Bowie was, is, was, um, you know, the holistic concept of Bowie and glam rock and all that. Um, so I'm really sorry I get in the weeds in this. I tried to keep it it's short. Who you are. Uh, we it love is it. who I am. Uh, <laughs> so Venus in first is a reference. Uh, it's to an, it's a reference to a novel by Leopold Sacher Masick. Uh, I know, I know. Again, this is who I am. I'm a nerd. And We're here for uh, it. Let's go. Leopold Sacher Masick is the person for whom the term masochism was invented. Oh, okay. Isn't okay. that interesting for this? That is movie? really, that is actually really interesting. Thank you. See? Being a <laughs> nerd adds depth to your cult film experience. I like the this fact that you're like, defending yourself to you. Because yes. we are like, let's go. <laughs> They're already in it. This was in like the 1870s or something like that. So this is like 100 years prior. I just thought it was a cool name. So somebody it, somebody did work. It was Todd. Todd yeah. is such an asshole that he did work. <laughs> I loved it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Now, there uh, is a director's cut version of this available that apparently only the UK have seen. Cause I, I saw that. Does it I make wanted. the structure make more sense? I don't know, because, I mean, the version we saw is 118 minutes, and the version that was shown in the UK and at the Cannes Film Festival is 123 minutes. So I don't know if that, like, handful of minutes makes it a little more cohesive. I don't think it would, because it's a Todd Haynes movie. Yeah. And you know, this was supposed to be. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that when they made Rocket Man, this was the inspiration. Elton right, John. That's what I was saying. For sure. Yeah, like Elton John was like, I want to make a biopic like Velvet Goldmine, except make it make more sense. See, uh, I was thinking that, um, and I I I am curious about this because we talk about this uh, later on in the month. Is there anything that outright says this had any inspiration and in all that jazz? Because I saw a lot of all that jazz in this as well. I'm sure all that jazz inspired. I mean, fuck yeah, it, inspired right? Like especially that everything. 
What is yeah, it like I, dead I, center of the movie where he's in gold and there's that weird dream sequence thing? I mean, I mean that's like asking if Citizen Kane inspired anything. The answer is yes. <laughs> Citizen yeah. Kane inspired you know? this movie too. That's the thing. And yeah, except for, for sure. the shitty brooch. The but piece. um, yeah. I mean, it's no. just it's it's I this film it kind of reminded me of I mean when you look into that whole Ziggy Stardust era of David Bowie, I mean it's it's interesting how I mean you have counterculture and then you've got David Bowie as Ziggy Stardust who's basically just out there like I I don't care what you think yeah you know this is me this is who I am counter counterculture deal with it yeah. And and I kind of wish that I mean this movie you know definitely touched on that a lot. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of it touching on that. I can only imagine what this movie would have been like if David Bowie would have allowed a biopic about his Ziggy Stardust era. Um, how interesting it would be. Well, and the one that that really Jack Ferry. So what an interesting I, character. I went I went deep into trying to figure this out right everybody else if you're tapped in at all to like glam rock right you can kind of figure out who 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 is who you know um jack Ferry had me thrown i don't know who he was i do i do who are they supposed to be todd phillips says jack Ferry is supposed to be little richard i guess i don't know that i really picked that up that that was his inspiration for jack Ferry. I mean, it so makes sense in certain places. So he whitewashed Little Richard? Well, the reimagining... So so Little Richard never no, had these experiences. No. <laughs> okay? Little Richard was never involved in this story. Oh, but no. He needed... Little, Richard, Little Richard basically was like, I'm gay, but I'm going to suppress it because of church. Yeah, no. But he needed a character to introduce the... Our, our Christian Slater interview with a vampire character yeah. to these people and bring bring Glamrock to the to the fore instead of letting it happen naturally, which it kind of did in real life. So mm-hmm. he needed to escalate the plot and he wanted a character like Little Richard. <laughs> and I really so, don't know that I, I I didn't find that character all that necessary for the most part. Now, to see him dressing well, like no, Will just, from Stranger was Things was interesting. <laughs> Jack Ferry was basically there to, you know, I mean, that's the one thing I've always questioned. Was, was it Jack Ferry who shot uh, Brian Slade in the fake death? In the, because, in the fake oh, death. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because, I never considered that. Because in the beginning of the movie, I, I forgot about that, how it looked like, you know, he walked into the concert and quote unquote killed uh, Brian Slade on stage, and then just like disappeared. Um, so I, I, it's like when that happened, I was trying to remember. Okay, did they do an explanation as to why they did it? And they didn't. There was no explanation as to why he was the one. It's almost that as though he forgot stage. that he put that in the beginning. Yeah. Of the movie. <laughs> well, and my so my question on that about this film making sense, right? is we're getting this film told to us from the, from the perspective of Christian Bale, about, from Arthur Stewart, basically. Right. And what and he's his, being told by the different people. like And I mean, his you, recollections yeah. and, and, and being an unreliable narrator. 
and, and him also dealing with the fact that he's coming out of the closet and he's. I'm I'm, I'm surprised they didn't go it. total. I'm surprised they didn't go total Lou Reed with it and did had his parents because his yeah, parents was put him like, into electric shock therapy because yeah. I mean, yeah. his parents were just like you're bringing shame to our house. He and then he the- grew up and cut his hair like Ethan Hawke and and <laughs> became a journalist. Became a yes. journalist wearing a, a ill-fitting clothes. Yes. But, <laughs> my, but my thing is our. You know, including the the drugs, the rock and roll, Tony Collette, whatever right. else was going on in that world. She was so maybe good. it's not supposed to make more sense. Yeah, maybe not. I was thinking about that. Uh, another influence I saw a lot of in this movie was Pink Floyd's The Wall. The way it was just kind of like jackknifing from moment to moment uh, sure. kind of gave me The Wall a little bit. So it's like, what if The Wall and all that jazz ran real hard at each other from either side of a big room? yeah. I also, <laughs> I, I also found it very interesting that after the uh, – I mean, I'm jumping way ahead here on this. But when um, the way that Brian Slade figured out his way to get out of this is to fake his death on stage because he was tired of you know living the life that he was. And then after the truth comes out about you know faking the death and everything, he decides to – I guess get plastic surgery because he didn't look anything like he yeah. used to when he emerged as Tommy Stone. Spoiler alert. But yeah. I love the fact that he went from like this amalgamation of David Bowie and, and Brian Ferry to Gary Glitter. Yep. So yep. Gary it was absolutely. Glitter, yeah. And I, is that supposed to represent the change? Uh, see, in my mind, it was I metaphorical. Think so. I think like, so. In the yeah. change of music and the change of society. Yeah. You know what? You know what really shocks me is that I don't have all of Eddie Izzard's suits. They're That's great. what upsets me. I liked them a lot. It was great. They're great. This suits. was this was the straightest male I've ever seen. <laughs> Eddie is such an interesting Trans- boy. Eddie, Eddie Izzard looking plays at the Eddie Izzard, man of the movie. Looking because, at Eddie Izzard's journey. You know, through their entire career and through their personal identity, I was just like, wow, this is the butchest I've ever seen you it's, in this film. And I'm willing to say it is the, the queerest we've ever seen you and McGregor Christian Bale and the straightest we've ever seen Eddie Izzard. It's yes. such an interesting choice. I think it was really fun. Um, I think that Jonathan Reese Myers is still finding glitter from the oh, tumbling sure. down scene. Oh, you know he is. He's he's in the shower as we speak right now, and he's going, ah, oh, god damn it. There's he's so he's, every he can't stop doing practice. space work from that no, scene. He so really can't. He's, he's, he, that's the way he's walking to the shower. He had a special staircase built. <laughs> special staircase? So uh, uh, my, my biggest complaint about this movie is from the beginning, so I'm jumping back a little bit. Uh, it's when... <laughs> It's when uh, Christian Bale is trying to kind of find leads and he goes into this bar and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find a, a Brian Slade or whatever he said. I don't remember the exact line. And some random British bar patron turns to him and says, he's a poof. You know that, right? <laughs> and I'm like, that is a British person would never outright say that <laughs> something so rude. <laughs> He would I just mean, make a few. No more, and it would be like I, you know, he's he's a little, and then slip the hand, you know. Or he would just, and I know this is an audio medium, but I am gonna have to turn on the camera for this. He would just be like, just like, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Just eyes. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't go. He's a piff. 
I mean, I suppose it be it depends on where. That's true. You know, was it like He's Sheffield? From the north. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna offend no one in our audience with this conversation. I don't think so. Um, but just really great sound alikes through the whole movie. I was really impressed. This, I'm I'm a big fan of the dying art of the sound alike. And just. I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't stop talking about or thinking about the soundtrack. It's and, a soundtrack. good. It's a, and it's how a good soundtrack. it is and how how much they did sound alikes, how well they did it and this and the songs that weren't because obviously there's no Bowie songs. No, no, of course. But there's there no were Bowie songs song. that I'm like, wow, that is that's a Bowie song and I've just never heard that Bowie yeah. song before. Yeah, that's I mean, the way Max the 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 Ballad of Maxwell Demon is exactly yes. that. And we it's should like, have realized with this movie before, you know, Moulin Rouge came around that Ewan McGregor can sing. I it's like I didn't I, I didn't put the connection then when I when I saw the movie and then, you know, when Moulin Rouge comes out, we're like, Wow, Ewan McGregor can sing. But then I was like, Well, yeah, he's big, he's like killing his Iggy Pop impersonation yeah. in this movie. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his, really fun. Yeah, it's his his Iggy Pop impression's fantastic. Like he and this is why I say he wants to be kind of I think if A24 would have been around when he was this age, it would have completely changed the trajectory <laughs> of his career. Yeah, I think he'd be a different guy. Yeah, he de- he delivers in this movie the indie darling um, performance, like his freak out in the sound room. That like, was really good. Like he he goes for it. He's going all the way for it. <laughs> And everyone else really giving absolutely nothing was so good. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. amazing just watching um, McGregor's trajectory with his career and everything. Because, I mean, he, he got his start in the films Shallow Grave and Being Human. Yep. And then, like, immediately just jumped into train spotting. I yep. mean, it was so weird because that's, because it's like in 1996, he was in both train spotting and the film adaptation of well, one of the very fil- many film adaptations of Emma, except this one was with Gwyneth Paltrow pretending to be British, and <laughs> she still uh, is middling <laughs> success. And uh. then you know goes on and stars in a life less ordinary with Cameron Diaz. Have you seen that movie? Yes, I have not seen that movie. Oh, oh, you need to change that. Oh, so guys, good. I'm I'm Courtney. I've never seen anything. <laughs> He's in Life Less Ordinary, too. Yeah, and then he jumps into Velvet Goldmine and then immediately jumps into the world of Star Wars. Yep. Somehow, Velvet Goldmine got him Obi-Wan Kenobi. Somehow that role got him Obi-Wan Kenobi. And and it's just, it's, it's like, it's the rise in his career has just been slack job because i don't know of any other person who would have went from movies like train spotting and velvet goldmine and a life less ordinary to suddenly being cast as one of the biggest characters in the history of one of the biggest franchises in pop culture history in the entire world right it's wild it's so wild it's and the, and the wild. opposite being true for uh for uh I, you know i want to say it i'm trying to stop myself from saying Jonathan Reese Myers. Is that his name? 
That's it's right. Jonathan he did it. Reece I got Myers. it. I did not the right Jonathan one. Reese Davies. It's okay. Jonathan I, Reese Myers. It's so hard for me. Well, it's I so think, hard. I think the reason for Jonathan Reese Myers, honestly, I think what probably did it for him. I mean, because I mean, the Mortal Instruments, City, City of Bones. I mean, is a noble effort. I, he was. You know, on Vikings, which was a great show, and he was also on the Tudors, which was a great show. Yeah. But he, and you know, and he's also involved with the Mission Impossible movie franchise. That's true. That's true. But he is. And he made Stonewall with Roland Emmerich, and I think that's probably what did it because that Stonewall movie was just not how you do a biopic. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> it really watched- is not. I watched From Paris with Love about a month ago, which was the he, he and John Travolta buddy kind of, for lack of a term, better term, buddy cop movie. He's really good. Like, he can act. He really can. I just, it's sad that he's not getting more work, you know? Yeah, he's and a great saw, And we all know what happened with Christian Bale. Well, yeah, he became yeah. fucking Batman. I mean, I mean, come yeah, he on. He gained 300 pounds, lost 500 pounds, became Batman. So, yeah. <laughs> Classic. And we you know, also that, that old chestnut. We also saw what happened to Tony Collette. I mean, oh a little bit sunshine, fucking hereditary. I yeah. mean, yeah. she can't, she can't lose. No. I mean, she yeah, went I just on. Wish the so, same. She went on to, you know, it's like she, she did Mariel's wedding and then turned around and said, "I'm not stopping there. I'm going to show you that I'm a bamf." And, yeah, and went she on did. to become a fucking bamf. So. And. I just of everybody. I mean, everybody in that movie, every principal in that movie had a meteoric rise outside of Myers. And I really wish he would have, because I think he deserves it. You know? Yeah, I agree. So would you recommend this movie? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah, me too. It's definitely good luck finding it. um, Because it's not streaming anywhere for fuck's sake, which I, which, you know, it's just, it's, it it just, it, 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 pisses me off but then at the same time i i realize it's miramax and a lot of films even though he's had his downfall and everything uh harvey weinstein is still sitting on it like smog sitting on his pile of treasure that's a perfect description honestly um well this is one of those films that he's sitting on velvet (laughs) gold mine and um it's like right there with dogma you know we're probably never going to have it see the light of day streaming any place well, as of him one of the reasons that i wanted to do this movie on the show is because i want it in 4k and now we're gonna get it and, and we are you said it out loud that's how this works we're gonna get that we're gonna get that british cut baby we've talked about it on the show now that's 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 fingers the show crossed. that's the power fingers crossed somebody is listening and it's they have Eddie some Izzard. sort of it's Susie. Thank you so much for listening. We love you, girl. Uh, <laughs> so send me all the suits and get me get me a 4K copy of this movie, please. Now I think she would. She'd be like, fine, you can have all of this. Yeah, I don't uh, want it Suze, anymore. If you, Take it, Suze, If you ever want to come on the show, we'd love to have you, girl. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. So that's it. Uh, do, we're not making announcements this time, right? No, we're not announcing uh, what you got to stick around for all that jazz. Yeah. uh, The only thing I can announce is again, like I announced with uh, the um, 
the zombie prom episode is that of course we got the the Zubinsteins coming up and March is yes. going to be a weird epi- uh, weird month for us. March but, is chaos. Um, I can announce uh, because we've already figured this out. Uh, what's coming up in the next couple of months, actually. Um, we have decided for the month of April that we're all each picking a documentary to watch. I'm so happy. Which is something we've not done on this show. So I'm going to keep my, I'm keeping it going. My, my all bangers 2024. I'm doing it. You you better, I mean, best be ready. Whose land is this? It's Andy's. I mean, I've already picked mine. I will let you know, originally I was going to have you guys watch Grizzly, man. Um, the it, with the Werner Herzog uh, documentary. If you've never seen it, you need to fix that. It's on Tubi. But when I discovered it was on Tubi, it recommended another documentary to me. It was like, if you like Grismian, you'll like this. And the one that I it recommended me to has zero connection to what happens in Grizzly Man. But it's such in a, that there's a man in it. <laughs> it's such a fucked up true crime story. When I was when I did uh, the research on it, I was like, oh, fuck, we got to do this one. I'm so excited for it. You, so. so for those of you who have not picked it up from my voice or who do not know me personally, I'm a white woman. And that means I love true crime. <laughs> She 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 is that white woman, you know. She she is that stereotype. She's, you know, what what? So so we need to know then. What era are you? What era of true crime am I? <laughs> <laughs> have, you have you taken that BuzzFeed quiz? I, do you have your Stanley Cup filled with you know your beverage of choice? I have a knockoff Stanley Cup covered in Pokemon stickers. Filled with the iciest stuff. water. See, a, I've got yes, see, I, the I've, stuff. See, I've got kind of a variation of that, except it's not as big, and it's covered in. I love it because it's covered in stickers of those weird ass like stickers you gave me during nice. the uh, nice. gift exchange. And what I love about it is, is oh, yeah. I, have, I have to. Uh, quick, I mean, you guys won't see it. Uh, that's listening, but I got to go on video real quick. We so love an audio please. medium. So, you know, here's all the stickers. Yes. There's, there's, there's a Severin sticker. Oh, nice. And then if that's not weird enough, Hustler. Yes, I love it. See, <laughs> mine is, mine is, we've got Squirtle and Gigi Good and Bulbasaur and Bag of Chips. That's <laughs> 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 who I am. I just drink, <laughs> I just drink out of that Dune popcorn mug. It's a popcorn <laughs> bowl. It's fine. That's what I like. Your lips are in shreds. They are. They are. So is my butthole. Oh, no. Oh, no. Stop drinking out of your for, butthole, Andy. For exactly the same reason. <laughs> so in April, we're doing documentary month. And then for May, we're only doing one episode. And the reason why we're doing only one episode is because I stumbled upon this online. This is something from the 80s that we're going to be watching. And it is four hours and 28 minutes long. Oh, my God. Are we doing Shogun? Are we watching all of Shogun? I'm pretty sure it's Shogun. No, it's not Shogun. But but you're in the right track. It is a television miniseries. Oh, shit. Are we doing the Thornbirds? No, it is a Uh, forgotten miniseries, actually. Man, I can't wait to watch Grandpa Courtney's miniseries Corner. I love it. (laughs) So we are doing our first ever television miniseries from the 80s. So, and of course, June is, Friday, 
June is we, Pride Month, so we're gonna watch all that gay shit. In June. Yay, because it's gay different stuff. than what we do. We did all that jazz, <laughs> zombie prom, and Velvet Goldmine this month. Super Are you straight. Me? So straight. So straight. <laughs> all right, guys. So uh, tune in for all that jazz. It's probably like one of the most serious. The pieces best. of art we've ever yeah. watched on this show. It's like a real movie. It's a real movie. This one's like a real movie. Oh. Is it like people fucking around and then they released it and we found it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang. We will see you on the next episode where we will also reveal what we're hey. watching month of March. Thanks. Hey, Rita, stop it. <laughs> She's trying to go for my notes again. She must <laughs> She hates gays. Jesus. My cat's We're talking about the gay movies. Oh my god! As soon as we started talking about gay movies, she came straight for it. She did. She jumped up and she went laying oh with god. another man is a sin. <laughs> <laughs> it was Adam and Eve, bitch. It just scratches you on the face. Yes, is, is, she is, got your, me. Is cat a reincarnation of Anita Bryant? I mean, what's going on here? Possible. You gotta throw 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 a pie into the cat's face. That's what you need to do. You know, I think I think maybe it's a drier thing. I think maybe she's going beyond the the gay of it all, and she's just being uh, aghast at the lack of intellectualism. She's Marlena Dietrich. <laughs> <laughs> she's furious that we're not just doing all. As she we are the Criterion Collection the podcast. Yes. And now she's over it because she found a rhinestone in the floor. Yay! Hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> that, that's the way. Now she's gay. Yeah, now she's gay. She's fine. Ooh, uh, pity. <laughs> I can't. We'll see you on the next. On episode. that note. <laughs> <laughs>